Hello, my friends. Welcome to Too Much Information with Sean Arnold. My name is Sean Arnold. Very special guest tonight. <laughs> His YouTube channel has almost as many views as this podcast. <laughs> um, that's not true because that number, if my math is right, which I've never been good at, is somewhere north of 30 million. Uh, uh, it's like 55. 55? So see, I yeah. can't even count. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> 55 million. So he is a professional musician. Um, we will talk a little bit about some of the places you've probably seen him, um, but I'd like to welcome to TMI, uh, Mike Massey. Hello. Hey, Thanks what's, for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. That's a crazy number, dude. <laughs> well, it's it uh, didn't happen overnight. It's taken some time to get there, but it's been sort of a gradual and sort of, I guess, exponential growth. So that's kind of been fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Did do you remember? So Mike, Mike does primarily, or, or you know, I know you've written some stuff, but it's primarily covers, like cover yeah. songs. And uh, did you remember there being sort of a weirdo inflection point when you were like you checked it and you were like, man, this is kind of and and I don't. We'll talk about like Africa or whatever because that's obviously sort of the 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 white elephant in the room but uh yeah. when it comes to all the videos but mm. did you remember just going man this is this is sort of bigger than i thought well i remember early on like when i was getting to numbers that anybody found impressive and <laughs> it was like that's when i started to take note that i'm like okay this isn't something that is happening to everybody necessarily so that's kind of cool and i remember like when i hit my first million i was like oh that's a, that's awesome you know <laughs> and now it's you know it's like a million uh, I don't know, every four to six weeks or something, you know, I, and I'll, that'll probably hopefully shorten, you know, <laughs> it'll probably happen more frequently. Sure. Hopefully as it continues to grow, because it's just been a sort of an upward trend. So that's been cool. Yeah. And do you still, I mean, do you kind of, uh, my understanding of sort of things of that nature, which admittedly is not huge is, or something that's, I guess you would say viral, um, which that's this isn't viral this is growth i guess the one thing was sort of viral but do you find mm -hmm. i mean people there are plateaus and peaks but do you find that you kind of get that snowball effect where as more people it, it's spreading or is it is it a fairly steady sort of climb yeah well that's one of the things that like when people ask me like how you know if i have advice for them about their own youtube exploits um you know, it's just kind of quantity and quality and but the quantity is important because it just gives people more ways to find you you know, if you have more videos, you just you're covering more topics or more songs or whatever happens to be for your channel, and so it just gives more people an opportunity to search for you and find you. So, I think that's been why it's been growing. It's just like the number of songs it just increases the odds of people finding me. <laughs> well, and the subscriber number is really big too, right? Like it's a couple hundred thousand or something. Uh, it's near. Lines. Well, it's I think we're like one seventy, one hundred seventy thousand. Yeah, and it's I mean, and it's interesting because clearly you get the maybe people that don't live swim in the YouTube ocean too much as far as subscri I subscribe to tons of channels because you know, mm -hmm. I like that stuff, um, including yours. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just so much with social media, like the sharing component is such a crazy, just such a crazy and not thing, right? It's just this yeah. whole idea of like it just exponentially reaching just tons yeah. and tons of people. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, it's interesting because, at least in my approach to Facebook, that that's sort of shifting now that they've done Facebook video because now Facebook is really pushing Facebook video. Mm -hmm. And so if you share a, a native video on Facebook, it's way more likely to propagate on Facebook than a YouTube link because they're 
sort of disinclined to want to send you to another website. Really? Yeah. So the algorithm is going to favor a, a native Facebook video at this point over a link to the same exact song or whatever on YouTube. Again, I'm an IT guy, and I did not. I feel broke now. I, I didn't know that. Well, these are things I've been forced to learn. <laughs> right, right, of course. As I've shifted my career, it's a business business decision. Yes. Um, so, I guess then, do you? I mean, is it a situation where you would like populate it to different places, um, or how does that work? Like, do you do you? You know, I'm sure a lot of people are exploiting other video outlets way more than I am. But I've basically just been on YouTube, and then like I don't know. Maybe sometime last year, I think I started just duplicating everything I posted on YouTube. I'd put it on Facebook as well, and I would do it about a week later at least to give YouTube a head start. Because the nice thing about YouTube is there is some ad revenue that comes from that. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a trickle, but it's, you know, it's nice. It's it's just another revenue stream, you know, or trickle as the case may be. But um, it's, you know, it's a good, it's it's a nice component to have there, and, and Facebook doesn't have ad revenue, so it's, you know, it's right there. You're just, Facebook is more about finding new fans than creating revenue in itself you know but maybe you know i kind of hope that it leads to some itunes purchases here and there but yeah yeah who knows yeah i didn't want to get in your kitchen too much but i was going to be like no Wait, no, no, no i just that's kind of what that's my life now it's just like these different online revenue streams it's crazy but but you said there's no revenue on the facebook side as of yet. well oh not on facebook no 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 but i just mean like unless it's like i said leading to purchases of music or whatever yeah, because that's so, and also too, then you've got split metrics and all that kind of stuff. <clears> I mean, that was sort of something with the podcast. Is like I really wanted to know, and then when you start to do RSS and stuff, I'm like, wait a second, can I see? Because I really need to be able to, you know. But I guess yeah, you're just getting disparate inputs, I guess, from a metric standpoint. Like Facebook, does yeah, it track that? yeah. I I I actually don't even pay that much attention to metrics. Okay. I know I probably should be paying more attention, but I I I just kind of you know I it's sort of. I just kind of watch where things are happening and just kind of act accordingly. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I, I am sort of aware of some of the me- metrics of it, but, you know, I don't, I don't dig too deep into that. So, as we mentioned, you did a cover of uh, Africa by Toto, which I personally think is one of the greatest bands ever of all time. And <laughs> you always get a side eye a little bit if you say that. And people are like, really? And then I have to launch into the story. I'm like, dude those guys were all sesame musicians playing on everything and in LA and they were like, Hey, we're all badasses and everybody wants us to play. So why don't we start a band? So you need to go listen yeah. to Jeff Percaro's drums. Cause those things are sick. <laughs> you know, and people just yeah. were looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Well, and Steve Lukather's just <laughs> so he, gross. He, oh. he played on, he played on everything basically. Yeah. You know, I actually got, because of the success of our cover of Toto's Africa, um, I actually got to meet Steve Lukather and, um, I was, you know, his guest at the Ringo concert when he was in Ringo's band, and I've got to meet, you know, bring my sister, and then we, we're hanging out with him, and 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 I'm telling my sister, I'm like, he's played on everything. You have no idea. Like, <laughs> I'm like, he's this is the guy who played on on Thriller. You know, he's he played, you know, he played on Beat It, and he like, you know, he starts he starts playing. Um, oh, I can't even remember what song it was now, but he starts playing one of the one of the Thriller songs on an acoustic guitar. He was messing around with backstage before he went on. And I'm just like, that's so cool. Yeah, so, right. yeah. I mean, just, and then, you know, I was, I was talking to another friend about, uh, I wanted to cover, I probably will sometime, the Tubes, uh, She's a Beauty. You know that song? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so anyway. And uh, I was talking to a guitarist friend about that song. And he's like, yeah, that's Steve Lukather. I'm like, of course it is. <laughs> you know, it's just like. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. They're, Super cool. Yeah, and they're just, you know, they're just all filthy, right? Like, just from yeah, a technical yeah. standpoint, right? They're yeah, just all yeah. disgusting. And yeah. uh, so... And that is, I've actually, that's one of those things, and, and and again, you don't know much about this in my background, but I played covers in Atlanta for about 10 years, I guess, 10, cool. or, 10 or 12 years. And uh, 
that was one that I certainly would never attempt, but you would hear occasionally and it was always like, oh no. <laughs> you know, and like every now and then someone would hit it. But when it hit and here's what's unique about the DNA of that song, which I why it totally makes sense to me as a musician, is when it hits, it is a it is a it's lightning, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. the nature of that song is is if you can pull it off, it mm-hmm. generally will wow people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But most 95% of the time, it's like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that again. (laughs) Um, So you guys put that up and it's just amazing. Um, It's, it's, that's how, I mean, I'm sure this is not, this is trope at this point, but that's how my wife and I found you. Yeah. Um, I hear that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And, but it wasn't instant. I mean, because if I've from listening to other interviews and stuff with you, it's like, it seems like it sort of has been in waves, right? Like you, Mm you got a good response and then it would hit pockets. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it would like, I mean, there was just like certain months where it just kind of like, I could tell, I could tell like suddenly that it had been shared someplace. I'm like, Oops, Africa just appeared somewhere. (laughs) I got to figure out where it was. Cause you know, and then people will say, you know, sometimes in the comments, they'll say this site brought me there that whatever. And, and so, yeah, so it's just like little viral spurts just depending on who posts it. And that's the thing that's so crazy about being, you know, a musician who's, career is sort of centered around the internet is that there's so much that's out of your control completely. You know, it's just, yeah. it just you just have to kind of rely that some, you know, that if you put out quality, somebody is going to share it in a way that it's going to just, you know, get seen by more and more people. And that's kind of how it works, I guess. Yeah. And I think part of that too, is just the mentality. And this is, you know, clearly is my wife who works at CNN and is in sort of terrestrial television mm-hmm. um, is the so the magic question for th- those guys, right, in their world, because it, as people consume more, right, they're starting to consume more from those platforms than the old days of, like, I'm going to go sit down in front of my television, and I think yeah. people still do that, but that's obviously great for someone like you, because I think more and more people are, that's just a part of their, their regular construct now. It's not an yeah. odd thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I It's just... It's, um, I haven't actually sold physical CDs of any of my, like my online covers. And, and I, you know, I used to get a lot of people asking me, do you have CDs of this? And people ask less and less often now. It's just like, <laughs> it's just becoming more accepted that, yeah, there's, you know, that digital downloads are just like the way to consume music. And it's just, you know, that's the way that most people, that's the way I do it now. You know, I, I have a CD yeah. collection that's, you know, gathering dust in my closet and some of them, most of it I've already ripped to my, you know my itunes collection so it's just like it's all i consume it all digitally yeah i'm starting to buy vinyl again cool um when my grandmother passed away a couple years ago and they had a she had a big victrola like um and it was the cabinet style with like the yellow fabric on the front of the speakers and those solid state speakers in there that seriously probably have lead in them so i'm gonna die (laughs) and they weigh 700 they sound though amazing Oh, good. <laughs> like, uh, so you wouldn't think so. I mean, clearly yeah. you're not getting fidelity with vinyl like you would. And so I think your right. ears account for that. But right. those speakers sound pretty damn good. I mean, <laughs> considering what you're dealing with, right, and where yeah. the technology is. Yeah. But um, but now I'm starting to go back. And now I'm also in the middle of a project now where, um, and this was actually going to be something I was going to ask you later, but we can talk about it now. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I was talking to my wife about vinyl and we have a couple of vinyl records where we got like the sleeve sign from various people we run into, you know, over the course of life. And I want to do like a, uh, what I want to do now is to, and we're lucky because Atlanta has a couple of amazing vintage record shops. 
um, because this is a great music town, as I'm sure you know, Mm -hmm. um, is to find like the albums that I consider sort of watershed or inflection records for me, you know, in my life, and then frame them out and then do a wall somewhere that's just purely these albums that I think are really important for me are really great. And then when people come in, they can just sort of, Mm-hmm. they're like what is this and i'm like these are all the albums that are really important to me or, or important to my wife um i think i'd run out of room pretty quickly i, I would too and that's honestly that's been the challenge it's like where can we put this because i'm just starting a yeah. list and there's 57 albums on it just like mm-hmm. off the top of my head yeah yeah can you think of any records that would just stand out to you like right out of the gate that would be on your <laughs> wall of awesome um yeah definitely put like well anything <laughs> nearly anything from the Beatles but also I would put like Rush moving pictures on there for sure um, an exit stage left that was like a big thing that like when I discovered Rush that was like a huge just like <laughs> paradigm shift for me it was just it just like opened up music to me in a way that you know the Beatles had, had been kind of my like bread and butter when I was really young and just like because my sisters and my mom listened to it it was just on in the house all the time and and I love the Beatles, and but like when I just kind of, you know, sort of expanded my taste to progressive rock, it was just like, yeah, that was just, that was a, a world I lived in for my teenage years, basically, <laughs> through music, you know, it's just super cool. What was it? Do you think it was just the sort of the, like how progressive it was from like sort of a structure standpoint, or was it just something that just rang your ears right? Or what do you think it was? Well, I... You know, I guess I think of progressive rock as, you know, as a style, it's it's sort of a um, it's sort of a medium, you know, and not all not all progressive rock is created equal in my mind. And I don't love all of it, but mm. I just I just loved what Rush had done with that platform, basically. You know what I mean? Like where they had taken it. And and there's a couple of bands like it's basically Rush, Genesis and and Yes for me. And and then if you want to kind of throw in Pink Floyd into that world a little bit, you know, those were the big ones for me. Um and then, you know, if you branch off to the side, you know, the, the more hard rock direction, it would be like Zeppelin, you know, that they're still kind of, you know, progressive in a way just with their, you know, creativity with their songs and stuff. I mean, like, you know, I think of <laughs> Stairway to Heaven as one of the first progressive rock songs, you know, just like, yeah. you know, one of the, you know, because it's just like, it's not, it's not a normal song by any typical measure. No, not at all. I mean, and yeah. that was what was so, I mean, it, again, like to me, like Zeppelin and the Beatles mm-hmm. are comparable in that they were doing stuff that, you know, when you're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, what? Who, who thinks of I this? Just, I was just in Vegas this weekend for my sister's uh, birthday. My, sh- my, sister, my sister Michelle lives in Vegas, and uh, for her, her birthday, I got her that new box set of the Sgt. Pepper, like the 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. With like the, yeah, it was super cool. And uh, we watched the uh, documentary on there, and it was really you know, just it just kind of reminds you of just the impact it had at the time, and and that was kind of like where music and art sort of merged in a way where it was just like anything goes, you know, and it was just you know kind of opened all the doors for to everything that followed, including Genesis and Yes and all that. Of course, yeah, yeah. Our dog's name is one of my dog's name is Cashmere. Nice. <laughs> just so you know, just so you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spelled spelled the right way with a K. Right. <laughs> cool. Um. Yeah, and I think I actually have probably my the the one of my prized possessions is I have a second pressing vinyl copy of Sgt. Pepper's. Nice, that's um, cool. That I found at a flea market in L.A. for uh, eight dollars. 
<laughs> which was dumb. Like a guy just had a bunch of old, you know, it was like one of a van that like had broken down and he just mm-hmm. had milk crates of, and I'm flipping through and I'm like, this can't be in here. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you, like, I'll take this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, so I mean, it's, um, I'm, I totally agree with you. I mean, there's just, there's so, that stuff so avant-garde. And then especially now looking back on it, like I was another buddy I had on the podcast, who's a musician, we were talking about, like even lyrically, like some of that stuff with Led Zeppelin is so out there, and it was like all the Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> I know, and everyone yeah. knew what. And it's like, and like now, you know, whatever. Thirty years later, they're like, "Oh, they talking mm-hmm. about Gollum." Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I was just pointing that out to my ten year old the other day in the car. I'm just like, "Up, oh, he's singing about Lord of the Rings." I think it was a uh, Battle of Evermore. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Was like, yeah. I'm like, this is just this is one of the songs where he sings about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, That's so. The yeah, and I, I and it's weird because I sort of came back to that stuff. I'm kind of a child of, uh, I'm uh, I'm 42, so uh, I uh, the first CD I ever owned was 10 by Pearl Jam. Um, oh wow! You know, and I was a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. and uh, I was coming <laughs> off of the because I think we're th- maybe four years apart or something like that. Is that right? Um, so uh, yeah, give or take. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, I just remember, uh, like, I listened to radio like everyone did, and it was like top 40, you know, like yeah. CNC Music Factory, you know what <laughs> I mean, like stuff like that. <laughs> and then um, I found that record, and I had a buddy that moved to Chicago and actually was like, check this out, and sent me Gish, the first Smashing Pumpkins record, right? like before Siamese Dream really mm-hmm. came out. And then mm-hmm. in a weird, which sort of started me on this, like, you know, wait, there's other, wait a second. You mean there's music out there that the radio is not telling me to listen to? <laughs> um, and uh, and then in this weird sort of act of, you know, full circumference later on when the band, when we um, got the record deal, we actually recorded in the studio where they did Siamese Dream, which oh, was cool. weird to just sort of be, you know, to think, <laughs> of, to think about What it. city was that in? In Atlanta. It was oh, a okay, place cool. called Triclops in Atlanta that is not there anymore. Oh, gotcha. And like us, uh, Indi- Indigo Girls did Swamp Ophelia there. Oh, nice. The first whole, Courtney Love did the first whole record there. Cool. Um, Siamese Dream. Uh, the guy that engineered it for us actually, or actually he ended up producing our record. He was in it, one of the engineers on Siamese Dream. So cool. we got a lot of really interesting stories, um, as you might imagine from him being in a place yeah. like that at that time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Um, but I sort of started so, down this road. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Go, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, so that's when I just started to go like, oh, crap, like, what is this? And then, you know, like that very year, like I skipped school to go to Lollapalooza, um, you know, because it was down and I get like saw like, you know, Pearl Jam and Ch- yeah, the Red, cool. Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was 15 years old. Like, I, you wow. know, it, mm-hmm. it was, you know, very transformative. I guess that's probably the best yeah. word. Yeah, I listened to most of that stuff <laughs> when it came out i don't know if i listened to all of it but i listened to most of it um the first cd i ever got was actually i got a copy of def leopard's pyromania yes. before <laughs> I, I bought it and it was like 20 25 bucks something like that it was in a in a little video store actually where my mom was working at the time and uh and they had you know a little collection of cds and that was one of them i'm like i want that and i didn't even have a cd player <laughs> I just wanted the CD. <laughs> and so I'm like, when I, eventually I'll get a CD player and I, this is going to be the first thing I'll play. <laughs> I had the, um, so I was fortunate enough. My parents actually got me a car right when I was, um, turned 16 and I had the disc man mm-hmm. that you like Velcroed to the center console. Oh, yeah. oh, 
yeah, and it I had, had the too. cassette tape with the wire out of it, so you could uh-huh. put it into your deck because there was nowhere mm-hmm. to plug it in. Right. But that was before I think, that. I think mine had like an aux jack. I think I was lucky, so I never um, had to do the cassette thing. You must I was have been rich. Like, yeah. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had a car stereo that was an aux jack. I don't know how. But it was just like just happened to have one. But it was anyway. it was before they invented the sort of read ahead technology because of skipping. So oh, like all yeah, I was yeah. doing was driving around, hearing everything all staccato because yeah, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't do whatever. But, but no buffering, no buffering. Basically. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> it was just like the worst listening experience of all time. Do you do any Def Leppard songs? Uh, no. Um, Come on. No, I no. <laughs> it's it's not out of like. Yeah, there just isn't one that I think really just like works for my voice and he's he's awesome though i love joe elliott his his voice especially in the early days is just amazing i think one of my favorites is uh i love um bringing on the heartbreak yeah oh from, yes yeah that's great and uh i love like you know uh too late off of pyromania do you know that one it's like track uh, four <laughs> uh, it wasn't one of the hits but i just love that song pyromania uh to, oh too late for love yeah too late for love yeah yeah, yeah, yeah too late yeah. for love sorry i said too late yeah you're right too late for love and, um, you know, obviously I love Photograph and Billy's Got a Gun. I just love that whole album. That's just, I love that album. So, yeah, but I, I never really, maybe because I'm not a lead player, there weren't really like any ways of doing it acoustically where I felt like it just didn't lack without the solo or whatever. But yeah, so it's, but it's something I think about maybe. Pour Some Sugar on Me was a staple in my <laughs> live set when I did. Uh, it was not good at all. It was purely for, you know, like everyone will sing it. So I don't have to sing it. You know what I mean? In a live show. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I worked at a city store when I was in high school and, uh, and that was right when pyromania or excuse me, when uh, hysteria came out and, um, we actually got it like at least a week early or something. And so I had an advanced copy that I was listening to like a week before everyone else. And I just felt so cool. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, I've heard the new Def Leppard. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's so great. Um, it's funny. So anyway, I mean, yeah, but that's when I started to just sort of figure things out. And then mm-hmm. I was a late bloomer on the guitar bit. Like, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 18. Cool. Almost 19. And it's because I played baseball in college. And mm-hmm. uh, my roommate played when we, we went on the road. You know, you roomed with a guy. And uh, I went and bought a $140, like, piece of crap from, you know, and took it. Mm-hmm. And, like, show me, you know, teach me things. <laughs> and uh, cool. what did you? What were some of the first songs you learned? Oh, this is actually a funny story. So, um, there, uh, so I went through all of that period, right, of listening to alternative slash, you know, kind of harder stuff. I mean, I love Soundgarden. I loved Alice in Chains. I loved all that. And then I got to college, and maybe this was just my, you know, liberal college experience. I went to a, you know, fairly small liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, someone introduced me to the Indigo Girls, mm-hmm. which, um, so you're doing closer closer to fine. Yeah. So um and, and then one other. So again, like we were um they're from here, which is weird, but oh, I just okay. never they're from they're from Atlanta, yeah. So oh, I um so I kind of knew about them, but I always sort of thought of them as kind of a locally air band, you know, oh, even okay. though yeah, yeah. you know. And I knew they were folksy and I never thought of myself as like a folk person. <laughs> um but again, as I'm starting to find myself musically, the thing that really is I think that they are lyrically just completely out of this world yeah like their vocabulary and their grasp of language and culture and literature i mean they make reference like i'm a i'm a i'm a lyrics first guy Mm -hmm. personally like i I, you know Mm -hmm. and so it was that and then at that same time so (laughs) hootie and the blowfish 
was from uh, South Carolina, which and they right. played in all our college towns. So we would go and see them on the rig when they were just like the band playing at the little 200-seater down the road. That's cool. Um, and I learned uh, time because it's only oh, yeah. a D chord. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I mean, I think there might be yeah. a G in there. But um, yeah, so... Funny. So that was sort of the thing. And then, of course, my roommates were like, you've been playing this same song for six months. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, eh. So w- did, you, were you, did you get into instruments early? Or like, was a guitar your first instrument? As my sisters played, uh, took piano lessons, and I kind of like, I was a few years younger than them. And, and so I just kind of like tried to mimic them. And, and I had more of sort of a natural ear than they did. They didn't really pursue lessons for more than a couple of years each, I think. And, and uh, I just was learning songs by ear myself, you know, just doing whatever journey sticks songs or whatever that I could pick out by ear. And, and so I started taking lessons. I took piano lessons for a few years and then kind of just stopped. And then I picked up guitar probably when I was, well, I had a, my first guitar was an electric guitar actually. And it was, you know, like a, where it's like a hundred bucks for you get an amp and a guitar, you know, from Sears or whatever, yeah. you know, it's just like <laughs> one of those, but it was, uh, you know, and I was learning rush songs and, you know, just, Iron Maiden or whatever, you know, the normal stuff you do. Yeah. And um, in the day or Black Sabbath or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, all the power chord songs basically because yeah, abso- they're easy. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I was doing that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and then I eventually got an acoustic guitar in high school and just started teaching myself to play it by learning Beatles songs. I was, you know, like I learned to finger pick by playing... Um, well, there's always dust in the wind. Everybody does that one. But then I was doing, I was doing Rocky Raccoon and I was doing Blackbird and I was doing, uh, yesterday and I actually figured them all out by ear and I, I got pretty close. I got pretty close. I like over the years I've kind of like refined it. I'm like, that's not exactly right. But yeah, but, um, but you picked up Blackbird by ear. Yeah. And actually initially I was playing it in a much harder way than it was really, you know, I was doing like this, like five finger stretch that I realized is not, not necessary because I was playing on the wrong strings, but yeah, but I had the right notes. I just didn't have it in the right position. And then like, like shortly figured out, I'm like, no, this is a much easier way to play it. So I'm like, now I play it the proper way. But Paul does this cool little, oh man, he's got this little jangly thing that he does with his, um, with his, you know, probably his middle finger. And that is just so beautiful. And, and I, I have a hard time getting it the way he does it. I my so mine sounds a little bit different from him, but just because his is perfect. <laughs> well, you, uh, yeah, and I that's that's I love that song. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's great. I, I mean, above you know, not just for them. Like eh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. But that's a that's monstrous. Like yeah, that's how you knew the talent was there, man, cuz I don't I was probably 7 or 8 years in before I ever tried to attempt that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not like I mean, I had, you know, huge calluses and blisters on my fingers just from, you know, finger picking and just oh, just finger picking my fingers raw and and but I, you know, it's I got there and by the time I was in college, I had sort of this little mini repertoire of songs I had taught myself and then I kind of put together a list and, you know, auditioned at a local restaurant to start playing my covers, you know, on a Friday night or whatever for tips and stuff. And that's kind of where it started. And then that me doing my little solo gig turned into a duo with my friend Sterling. And then it was a trio. We picked up Jeff Hall on bass and then we got a drummer and a lead guitar player. And so we had this little cover band called Twice Daily, <laughs> you know, oh, like and it. it was kind of, it was, you know, some of it was, a lot of it was based off of my existing repertoire because I'd actually been in a cover band in uh, high school too. We did some originals, but it was kind of both. But so I had like this repertoire of songs I had learned in high school and then, uh, and just kind of, you know, that extended into college. And then some of those songs have eventually appeared on my YouTube channel. So it's like, I feel like I was not wasting my time when I was learning those songs because they've stayed with me and they're now, you know, part of my livelihood. 
Yeah, th- that's sort of the beauty of music, though, right? Because the uh, they don't die, right? Like, yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's yeah. what's awesome. Like, they they'll if they mean something to you genuinely, yeah. it will always mean something to you. Yeah, and there's there's very few songs that I've ever that I've learned that I just feel like eh, that's just not nobody remembers that song, and that's not really a relevant song, or at least. If there are some that are like songs that are like that, it's just because I love them so much. I don't care if anybody remembers them or anybody else remembers them. But I'm just like, you need to hear this song or whatever, you know. So I try, sometimes I'll my song selection just puzzles people because they're like, why'd you do that song? Like, because I love it, and you know. And so it's there's like a continuum of songs that everyone else loves and songs that I love, and and mo- every song fits on the continuum somewhere. But you know, sometimes they're closer to my end versus other people's, you know. So. Yeah, it's no, yeah, and I was the same way, like, and, and that was, again, like, probably one of the things that was really cool about coming up in Atlanta when I did, um, because it just had this vibrant live music. I, I mean, we had this area, which I don't know if you've ever heard of, called Buckhead, which was, like, the super nightlife district in Atlanta, and, you know, every other place, there'd be a guy playing, and we were all friends, and we That's all cool. rotated, Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was like, oh, I'm playing here tonight. You know, I'm playing at Roberts tonight. I'm playing yeah. at Tin Roof this weekend. Then I'm playing at CJ's the night after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we would take breaks and like run across the street, and then they would run over to our gig so we can play in front of different crowds. <laughs> so we would swap out breaks, you That's know, funny. just to bounce around. Right. But right. but we got a lot of again. My musical journey's been so weird, and it's hard for me. Some like musicians that sort of. And I guess you could say this too, because obviously not everyone goes and has fifty million YouTube, you know, views. Um, that's unique. Um, <laughs> but ours was unique. We were in a city at a time when if you did not stink the joint up, you would go into a room, you know, in the back of a bar with four hundred people in there, ready, mm-hmm. ready to hear you do your thing, mm-hmm. like totally ready built, to go. Built-in audience. Basically. Yeah, they're just ready yeah. to throw down. Like you didn't have yeah. to go try to get people to come out or anything. Yeah, you know, and that's like, you know that's actually one of the reasons that I chose the pie as the place i was playing in salt lake is because it had sort of a built-in audience it was our gigs were always on monday nights so they weren't always big audiences but we didn't have to like recruit a crowd most of the time i mean it was like right next to the university of utah so there's kind of if it was you know in the fall or you know winter or whatever if school was in season then we had like a you know just sort of a built-in college crowd that would come in and sometimes not care about what we were doing but sometimes they would care (laughs) it just depended on the night um, well, sure. And, and the other thing that was awesome is along those lines, and I feel kind of feel the same way as you, because I like to play things that I like to play and like yeah. to hear. And that yeah. is not always on people's, you know, it is not brown eyed girl. Yeah. 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 Right. And not that there's yeah. anything wrong with Van Mar- Morrison, but like if I was yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. a Van Morrison song, I'm probably going to do Tupelo, honey. I'm not doing brown eyed girl. <laughs> right. Uh, right, right. <laughs> but it again, we had that freedom because people again they're just there to throw down so if you mm-hmm. if i wanted to play something that was completely out of the you know beyond the pale yeah it didn't yeah. matter right because yeah. they would just be like i don't know what this is but you know what we're shooting jaeger and everybody's having fun so i want yeah. who cares um <laughs> so i got super spoiled that way because you know i have other friends that were just like oh god like if you don't have stair free bird in your arsenal or mm-hmm. you know what i mean like uh something like that then you're just dead like people will turn on you and i was like man i didn't really experience that yeah um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's you know if the audience isn't paying attention, you have a lot of freedom. But or or if they're just they'll listen to anything, you have a lot of freedom too. So, yeah, I wanted to mention the pie because I, again, for people that don't know, and I hope people that listen to this that don't know, you will go out and seek it out because it's so good. But um, <laughs> your videos, a lot of them were just at this. It's a pizza place, right? Yeah, in Utah called mm-hmm. Pie Pizzeria. 
Mm-hmm. And you're just, I mean, and again, most of the people that listen to this that know me will get this because, again, this was our life. But, you know, you're just kind of in the corner, you know, yeah. like with a little setup kind of jammed in there. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting to think that, like, when I started filming in 2008, I had already been playing there for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you'd been like, oh, because you had like a standing gig there, right? Like you play there once yeah. a month or whatever? Yeah, like since 1993, you know, just like... <laughs> So like I was basically when I was in college and so um yeah and so I, I played there for I ended up playing there for I don't know I guess it was almost wait 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 so 93 yeah we, I played there for like 21 years basically and I think I only missed um like one summer when I was out of town like working so otherwise I was there pretty much every month unless I was like sick or something but that didn't happen very often either so yeah it was like it was a long standing thing and so I just started in 2008 I just set up a video camera in the corner and started filming it and, uh, you know, posting highlights and just thinking, you know, <laughs> 15 years is a lot of time to develop a repertoire, <laughs> you know, it gives you plenty of time to kind of like figure out what you want to do. And so some of these songs had, you know, a lot of life in them. And, you know, we'd, we'd been and, and my bass player, my friend and bass player, Jeff Hall, you know, he uh, he wasn't there from the early days, like consistently. But by the time I started filming, he was there quite regularly. And so we, we were playing together as a duo for much of that time. And uh and so, yeah, so these songs, we've been playing together forever. And so we just started filming them. And, and, and I just kind of thought that there was something of value to them as a music fan. I was like, this is, I was, I was like, this is the kind of arrangement I think I would appreciate hearing if I were in the audience. <laughs> and so that's yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, I think maybe other people will appreciate these. And, you know, and, and I guess to a certain extent, I was, you know, that was validated by the response I got on YouTube that people, you know, dug it. And a lot of it was musicians who were like, that's cool. That's a great arrangement or whatever. They appreciate it from that angle that I was kind of imagining they would, you know, and, and other people are just like as fans of the song like it as well, which is cool. Yeah. I think a lot of the people that I, you know, if when I've mentioned your name before, a lot of the musicians I know are like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, they <laughs> yeah. already know, right. They've already seen yeah. you cause somebody has been like, check this dude out. Yeah. Yeah. Like the likelihood of somebody, uh, having heard of me goes way up if they're a musician. (laughs) (laughs) I think too, there's also in the thing I've gotten from a lot of my friends. And again, I'm super lucky and I'll ask you about your experience. But one of the other things that was just so amazing about coming up in Atlanta at the time that I did, well, I told you about running across the street and it was very um, supportive and collaborative, right? Like everyone was very like, you know, or if like, I can't make a gig, you know, do you want, to go like I know you wanted to play in this place and I asked the owner if I could book my you know I could fill my spot because I'm going <laughs> to do something and you know I've heard friends like from New York and DC mm-hmm. and these places that are like oh geez like people would slash your tires like to try to keep <laughs> you from making it to a gig you know so right, that right, was right. one of the things that I think was super cool about just the nature of that and so but I think probably again a lot of the people I know with you it's like and the resounding thing is is just we're so happy that someone is seeing this great success because we know mm-hmm. how hard it is. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. want to do it right for a living, like it, you yeah. know, it's just really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't really imagine that I would do it as a living. And so I wasn't, <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> basically after I graduated, I'm like, okay, now I need a job. So I'm going to go to law school. And so, and so, right. so I did, you know, and then I did the public defender thing for like 13 years and, and just, but my channel took off to the point where I was like able to just make the leap and say, I'm going to, leave that behind this, you know, the security, um, but also the time constraints of being a public defender. And I'm just going to focus on music full time. And we moved to Colorado from Utah and we've been here for about three years. And, and what you're describing with the music scene is kind of like what I've, um, experienced here in Denver is this, it's just like, 
it's a big community and and everybody seems to know each other and like each other which is super cool and i'm you know i'm sort of i've i've gotten a glimpse into that world because i've you know had an opportunity to work with some local musicians and and just generally speaking or at least i mean i haven't met the exception yet but just super cool people and it's just been a lot of fun yeah that's one of the things i mean it is so if if there's one i, I probably miss that less more than i miss actually playing gigs it's mm-hmm. just sort of that thing you know you have and also we yeah. would always have these mix and match duo deals you know mm-hmm. where somebody like hey i've got a gig and they want a duo and my yeah. guy can't so do you want to come play and yeah you know yeah, yeah. we all had these pretty robust you know sort of set yeah. lists and there was enough crossover to where that's cool it was yeah it was fun you know i'm gonna be doing that a little bit of that myself like i have a, a normal duo partner here bryce bloom and yeah he's and, very, uh, ta- very talented he's a guy playing yeah, with you now right like yeah, he does a yeah, lot of videos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, because he he's kind of like my local guy, and so we we do videos together too. And um, but like Jeff Laquatra is a guitar player I'm working with now, and and he's going to be doing some duo gigs with me soon, and for the first time, and that's going to be super fun. Just like kind of a different spin on it, and then we can put it together and be a trio anytime. You know, it's just like so. It's it's yeah, it's fun to just kind of let you know other people into my world and and mix and mingle with them. But also, you know, I've sat in with Jeff's band and you know sung with them. So it's just like it's kind of. It's it's great. It's a lot of fun. The thing I love the most about that too is I think that we did have so much crossover. But to your point, like everyone sort of interprets things different ways. Mm-hmm. And so when you would go to when I would go to someone else's gig, I really was able to expand because I would be like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that's a really cool phrasing. Or like, yeah. oh wow, like you completely changed. Like this, you know, tempo is totally yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and we would steal each other's stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> which is great. It's cool to yeah, it, working with people is. I mean, there's a lot of inspiration that comes from that, and sort of you know, having these local musicians has kind of replaced the community of of attorneys that I used to belong to. You know, with like public defenders and stuff. It's just like, so <laughs> I don't know if you've ever met a public defender, but the, they're just the <laughs> generally speaking, they're just the coolest people in the world. I mean, they literally are. They're just, and I'm not saying that because I was one. I'm I may be the exception to that, but. They were just, I mean, just such good hearts and they're doing it for the right reason and they're working hard and they're, you know, they're, you know, they're just giving it all for people that have nothing and are at their worst point in their lives, you know, and it's just, it was, I, so I, I do miss that camaraderie and that feeling that I was serving people, you know, in that job. But, you know, being a musician is a different kind of reward and I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like it's service in another way because I get a lot of nice notes from people, you know, thanking me. So it's just like, I must be doing something that they appreciate. So it's just it's you know it's 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 really cool yeah and you're right i mean i i have met a few um public defenders and we talked about this pre-show but i'm one of the more liberal cats you'll meet so Mm -hmm. that kind of thing sort of resonates you know with me like this idea that you know you you know there's a lot of noise sometimes about stuff like that about you know when people are accused of things that they're automatically pos's or you know what i mean and all that And, and and again you're not getting rich doing that job Right, yeah. So, well, and yeah. yeah, I think generally speaking, you know, government employees just get sort of a bad rap. But a lot of people working in government are just literally serving. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's a service job, and it's you know, and they they do way more than they're paid for, and it's just you know, it's, so yeah, I think it's good to acknowledge that. Well, the other thing too, I think, and I'm sure you found this already though, is you 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 still get you know, like you said, you still get to serve. But I'm sure you're at a point now, and this is one of the things I love about my wife, who feels because of her station, she has an opportunity to her time, right. And her presence and, you know, she can lend skills to things as a way mm-hmm. to give back. Right. Because it's hard mm-hmm. because of her schedule to be super active with something yeah. um, outside of work. So, you know, 
she she rarely says no, right? Like she emcees charity events and she hosts. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you probably are presented with lots of opportunities to be able to say, you know, if you to help out a group with this or that or you know those sorts of things. Yeah, and I've I've um, I, you know I've I've just kind of kept it local uh, at this point, but I you know I've done free gigs you know for fundraisers from my kids' school and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, and uh, and there's also the national uh, uh, brain tumor society. They had a local thing, and and so I did something for them. Uh, and, uh, and then I actually recorded a video where I was kind of did it in honor of my sister's memory who passed away from a brain tumor and, and, you know, and I, I gave the proceeds from that song to the national brain tumor society and stuff. So, yeah, so I've, I kind of try to find ways to, to serve. Yeah. And it's, and, and I mean, that's one of the things that's great because I know people that do that because their job is a bit of a grind. Um, yeah. Like yeah. you and my wife, it's sort of the double-edged sword because like work is really fun, and you get to go and do stuff, you know, at your leisure, basically mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. that is impactful or that people are so appreciative of, which is yeah, you know, which is super awesome. So, did I, I mean, are there tactical parts of the law that you miss, like the job itself? Like I always used to say to people because I entertain the idea of going to law school. Strangely, I applied to use uh, to UC Boulder, believe it or not, when I oh, graduated wow, cool. from undergrad. <laughs> Just cool. because I was like, that looks like the most beautiful place on the planet. Yeah, Let's go to Boulder's school there. Awesome. <laughs> That's where I went to high school. It's Boulder's just, yeah. I could rave about Boulder all day. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's one of the coolest places on earth. Yeah. That at least, you know, for, I, not that I've seen every place, so I can't really compare, but it's like, you know, of, of the places I've been, it's definitely one of the coolest. Yeah. But I, then I, like, I got to thinking about it and I was like, oh, this seems like doing other people's homework for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. I mean, you know, it's a lot of it's, um, um, you know, for me, a lot of it felt like damage control mm-hmm. because a lot of these people, you know, were in situations where they clearly had been caught <laughs> doing whatever they were doing. Right, right, they right. were clearly guilty. And so there's like, you're trying to find some human element where you can humanize them and, and present them to a judge, you know, with in a way that they can't necessarily for themselves, you know, verbalize in the heat of the moment in front of a judge, you know, cause a lot of times there's just, that's just a pressure, pressure situation. It's nice to have anybody speak for you, much less somebody trained in the law, you know, in that situation sure. <laughs> because of the pressure, you know, of it. But, um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I think I, I kind of miss that aspect of it. You know, I don't miss, um, the, you know, arguing per se, you know, I don't really miss that. Um, but I, I do, I do miss, I, I still once that's the thing about law schools, it changes your brain. It just retrains your brain. It rewires your brain. Everything yeah. is a potential tort or a potential <laughs> crime. It's just like, you know, it's just, so it's like, you know, it, you know, everything is a potential contract violation. You know, it's just like, you, you, you know, everything you learn is just like you apply to your life and you can't help it. Everything, be- your life becomes one huge fact pattern, you know? <laughs> and so, and so I still experience that every day, you know, and, and, and it creeps into my language, you know, when I'm talking yeah. to somebody about, you know, contracts, I'll say, you know, but there was, you know, what about my reliance on that or whatever, you know, it's just like, I'm using these law terms that, you know, yeah. that I know it means something to me and I know it doesn't mean that to them or whatever, you know, it's just like, well, was there anyway. consideration in that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. For it to be valid, we need. Yes. Uh, yes. No, I hear you. I mean, we got into that. That was actually one of the funnier things I think that it ever, you know, that I remember was looking at the label agreement mm-hmm. um, and it was just like, what in the what is this? Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Cause the yeah. thing was just exorbitantly well, thick, right? You have no yeah. idea. You're so excited about it. You couldn't care less. It could be like, we are taking your children and you'd be like, where, <laughs> which, where, where are all the stickies I signed? 
Well, and at, at this point for me, I don't know. I mean, I would probably have maybe a little bit more nav- more luck navigating <laughs> that than you would, but it, those contracts are written for other contract attorneys, and so it's just like right, it's, right. A, it's a special art form in itself, you know. That, that you know, just like trying to yeah. So I, I yeah, I, I I'm not a big fan of contracts generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, that's a good skill though because I mean I think I would imagine now you're clearly at a well, and I think that's also a function of age. Like if you have any business aptitude, but you know that's the mm-hmm. other big danger I think with younger musicians is like get your house together, yeah, or or, yeah. or hire someone that can help yeah. you get your house together because you yeah. do not know what you're doing right. Yeah, and, yeah. and it can really. Yeah come back to bite you, you know? Well, and that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I've been having to figure out, my wife's been helping me a lot with that lately, is just we've been having to kind of become our own booking agents and stuff because we're, you know, we were we booked a show in New York and we did that all by ourselves, had to find the venue and everything. And, and now we're, and then we found gigs, now we're doing gigs in uh, Australia and we found those venues on our own and it was just like, it's, you know, it's a crazy process to go through and, and then, you know, it's just, it, but at some point you do need help because like with, with Australia, there's all these immigration things that there's no way I could navigate by myself. Oh, well, so, yeah, sure. I mean, and then there's, again, my wife does a lot of stories overseas and there's all these things about your equipment mm-hmm. and how you get yeah. it. And you have these forms you have to fill out. I don't even know what yeah. they're called, but there's, yeah. you know, to so you're shipping, you know, not shipping, but you're bringing this from here to there. And if you're going to yeah. work, you have, you know, versus for pleasure. And it's just. Yeah. Well, in some countries, you know, you need permission to work to be there, basically. You yeah. Know, it's just. Yeah, so it's crazy. Or if you were trying to come to America, you just can't anymore. Um, <laughs> right, so, right, right. <laughs> sorry, I told you I wouldn't. Do that. Um, <laughs> That's fine. So, um, um, has there been any like? Is there have you you've just consciously decided to not go like booking agency or to leverage something just to maintain control, or it just hasn't gotten to a point yet? Because I know I know you, or if I remember from reading other stuff, is that you've been lucky and that a lot of stuff, you know, comes to you, like you haven't had to really. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that I just don't do a lot of public stuff. And so I, I haven't, so I don't, you know, necessarily have a huge track record to show to a booking agent to interest them. But, uh, you know, except for, you know, we've done, we've done a few sold out shows in Europe, you know, so, you know, that's nice. And and we'll probably do more of that. But, you know, in the U in terms of the U S it's all kind of, you know, uncharted territory for us. And so, cause most of my gigs are private and I do, you know, I do, yeah, 90% of my stuff is private. And, and so I just travel around the country or, you know, sometimes the world for private stuff. And so that keeps me busy. And so I haven't really needed the public stuff, but it's also nice to do because, you know, there's, there's, there's some people that can't come to me. So I, you know, I have to come to them basically. Yeah. I'll give you a little, uh, I'll give you a nickel's worth of free advice. Just print sure. up a business card <laughs> that has your name and says, I have 50 million YouTube views <laughs> when you want to go play at a venue. And just mail that to them. <laughs> no. Um, but no, I get it. I mean, that's, again, like that was one of the weirder things, I think, when you were just playing and you start to get, get swallowed up in the machine. You know, you're yeah. just like, you know, you've got all this stuff and like advancing dates and mm-hmm. riders and, you know, configs and gear requirements. And yeah. it all got a little... A little Luckily, wacky. a lot of that stuff is just not even relevant to me because I, you know, I literally travel as a one man show, you know, yeah, just yeah. Like, or a two man show, whatever the case may be. And it's like, you know, we bring, you know, we play places where either they've rented a PA or they have a PA and we just work with whatever's there. And we usually get a pretty decent sound because I studied sound recording yeah, in college. Exactly. So, you know, it's like I kind of know a little bit about that, you know, you know, live sounds a little bit of a different animal, but, you know, we can usually get a workable sound and that everybody's, you know, happy with because you know, the performance carries the rest. I needed you when I was doing this podcast setup. Gosh. 
Like I bought a mixer, you know, for it, not which I know my way around. But then when mm-hmm. you start integrating it with like the, you know, the DAW and like all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, I'm just like, yeah. I don't know what yeah. I'm doing. Like I'm just pushing buttons over here. What's going on? And you know on? what's funny is like I got in like kind of on the ground floor on computer recording because I was downloading like fish and grateful dead shows and I was burning them onto CDRs. And nice. so like, so that, so I needed a, a computer like from the early days that could handle like audio. And so like in the early days of windows, you had to tweak like crazy settings to get a computer to do anything, you know, and cooperate as an audio machine. And then as computers got faster, that became less and less of an issue. And, you know, now it's like, you can do anything you want. Like you could, you could be printing while you're recording. <laughs> you know, it's just like, doesn't matter. You know, it's crazy. So yeah. But yeah. But like, I learned all that stuff. Like I learned the, the early phases of, you know, of DAW. I had like Cubase, you know, five VST or whatever. Oh, it was. Nice. Yeah. And just like, and just from that point on, I was like, always scouring forums but not just about computer recording techniques but just like recording techniques in general audio techniques you know even though i'd studied it some it's always nice to get you know kind of refreshed on things and so that i was just kind of like researching and it's kind of funny that now i'm using all that stuff that i learned as well you know yeah and it's you're right i mean the other thing is so accessible now which is great like i use audacity right yeah which is completely free right it's open source right which is so amazing right it's like let's see i can pay 50 bucks a month for premiere Right. Yep. Or I can just download this thing. And for I this was just using Audacity today. <laughs> but you know, for this, that's all I need, right? Because it's not like I got, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of stuff going on. It's usually just a couple voices, you know, yeah, and then yeah, I drop yeah. in bumpers and stuff, you know, after yeah, after it's yeah. over, like simple. Mm-hmm. But um but that's one of the things is like the accessibility. And like I had a buddy who is it wasn't back in the day was a touring musician and now he does a lot of television and movie stuff and, and jingles and things, you know, he still just does that, but now he just creates. He's one of these people that piss me off that you know he plays like six instruments you know mm-hmm. he does like the beethoven thing where he just sees it all in his head first oh, yeah. <laughs> you know and like then goes and yeah. just like i'm like all right freak show come over here and show me how um all this stuff's supposed to work so i definitely listen to my friends but i think from your case it's pretty evident and i'm sure you feel the same way but the tools right i mean that's one of the things that's awesome about music right because <clears throat> the tools are so available that used to be a barrier. I mean, I can't remember the number, but I want to say that our production cost for our record in 1997, that obviously the label paid for, was like $275,000 or something right. like that to go right. into that studio like 12 hours a day right. for three and a half weeks or whatever it was or four weeks. Right. And, uh, you know, but now it's like, I just think there's all this great, I mean, there's more crap music out there, but I think there's yeah. all this great music out there too, because there are people yeah. before that maybe didn't have the means and you can Well, at least, I mean, even if, even if people aren't able to create like a finished product that, that you could sell or, you know, publish, publish in some way, you could at least create a really good demo that would, you know, if you get it in the right hands, then they could take you to the studio or whatever, you know? So it's like, yeah, you could, it's a lot easier. I mean, I remember, yeah, my, my band in high school, we had, you know, this, crappy cassette four track that we were using for our multi-track recording i mean that's kind of like beatles technology basically yeah. in, a, in a cassette you know but, but with you know a, about a hundredth of the quality you know so but you know and, but it, since then everything's become you're right it's like so easy and and so much cheaper it's great yeah and also i tend to like that stuff and this is totally a preference thing because i tend to feel like we and thankfully i think we're moving away from this a bit now but went through like this 10 year stretch where it was just overproduction. I mean, mm-hmm. to the, yeah. you know, like, of yeah. course I oh, can yeah. mention auto tune, but I mean, just yeah. to the point of where like, you're going to try to squeal out like every little thing. And if you listen to, we, we talked about Led Zeppelin, like there's yeah. a squelch yeah. or two in there, man. Like, and, yeah. and it, you know, I love that. 
you know that's it's it's what gives sometimes the warts are the things that'll give you know tunes a lot of character yeah i and i will have to confess that around well with maybe the exception of radiohead i haven't really kept up with much recent music because it's like i don't know i just when i hear a song that i like i you know i'll remember it but that just doesn't happen that often and i know that a lot of that's on me for just not searching it out because i'm sure there's some great music being made but i'm definitely stuck in a classic rock rut you know but yeah. but for me you know but for me classic rock has now you know uh evolved to include you know like u2 and you know radiohead and maybe some early cold play you know yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like that, that's still kind of like you know and so it's and and that's kind of where you know my heart lies well, of course. I mean, yeah. but to your point, I'm the same way. Like, I have my things, and I'm I've, I've tell I joke that I'm I've turned into the get off my lawn. You know, you <laughs> yeah, get off know. my lawn. But yeah. but I but mostly, it, uh, honestly, like my musician friends keep me honest. Mm-hmm. Where they'll say, "Have you heard this guy?" And I'm like, "No." And mm-hmm. and if I trust them, and they're like, "You should check it out," I'm like, "All right, is it on Spotify?" Then I'll go. I'll I'll give it a go. <laughs> But yeah, it's and not super new, but you know, usually it's singer songwriter or something that's a little more underground or whatever. Well, and I think I have actually I have a pretty good excuse because I am rarely, I rarely spend time listening to music without a purpose. Right. You know, and so like most of the music I'm listening to, I have I have a playlist on iTunes of about a dozen songs that are like the next twelve songs I want to record basically right. in no particular order, and I just you know, and so. I'm listening to that constantly. And so like the music that I'm going to record or whatever or learn, it's just like it's always, you know, I'm always listening to it or or I'm editing music or I'm, you know, recording music. So I just don't have a lot of time to just like listen to music for pleasure. You know, it just doesn't happen that much. Even in the car, I'm listening to songs and singing along, you know, learning them and stuff. So, yeah, I'm listening to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, when I used to commute more, I used to do, you know, before I did this full time, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't listen to them as much anymore unless I'm like grocery shopping or something. Yeah, but I still <laughs> just have two like this one and it grows like I have a couple of playlists that are just like my go to yeah. and they're really just sort of grouped only by um like sort of general category. Like I've got like a heavy list that's like rock and it could be anything from Metallica yeah. to like Led Zeppelin or whatever, um, and then like a singer songwritery kind of list, and then mm-hmm. you know, and they just keep getting bigger. Like I don't yeah, ever subgroup, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. but they only get bigger by older songs that I'm like, oh, I forgot to put that one in there yeah, from yeah, 1995, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or from 1965, yeah. you know, or whatever it is. So, but you know, going back to the recording bit, like I think that that stuff is, I'm you know, I'm glad that that's still, you know, I was reminded I. I was in Detroit at some point and, you know, went to Motown and that's a big, th- so I got really into Motown. Like that's one of my things. I like that old R and B. Cool. And man, you that, like, have you ever been there? Uh, to Motown? not, no, no. I mean, I've been to the Detroit area and the Detroit airport and I've been to, I've done a couple of gigs in like Ann Arbor, but I've never been to like Detroit proper. Yeah. If you ever go to Motown, you know, like that Hitsville USA house or whatever it is, it, there is little, Right there's nothing to oh, it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. tiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you walk in there, and it's like you walk in, and there's a little holding area, and then it's just the recording room, and they just put those cats in there and put three mics in front of them, and we're like, "Go, we're, yeah, we're rolling." And, and they did everything in mono because they only room room for one speaker. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it sounds like if you go back and listen to like the Temptations, mm-hmm. it's like holy crap. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this sounds, but this was like not multi-tracked, not overdubbed, yeah. recorded oh, yeah, the yeah, tape. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> recorded live. Yeah, it was what it was. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, that's that's, re- <laughs> yeah, the and then recording, you know, technology in terms of sound quality since about you know maybe about m- mid '60s. I mean, it hasn't necessarily progressed a lot. I mean, the technology's progressed, but the sound quality hasn't. You know, I mean, so if you listen to some of that early stuff, and I mean, it's just you get clarity that you just don't always hear anymore. Yeah, and I'm one of those people, like, I'm not, like, some people are almost evangelical about, like, vinyl or, you know, yeah. the, or tape. You know, that's a huge thing with, you know. Right, the, yeah, the, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I use some tape emulations, but I don't need to use real tape. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and it does sound different, but it's, they're different, right? <clears throat> it's just different. I mean, so it's yeah. sort of like, you know, I've got glossy paint on some house, rooms in the house and flat on others, you know, it's yeah, just, it yeah. just totally depends. I, I generally, I'm so, like I mentioned earlier, I'm so into like the con the song construct. I'm less concerned about trying to grade out, you know, what it sounds like because I'm listening for melody and, you know, lyrics yeah. and all that other stuff. And I just sort of yeah. get lost in that. It doesn't matter what, <laughs> you know, what the rest of it's, you going. know, but I was in that Beatles documentary going back to that, that I watched with, um, they, I think it was George that was talking about it. That was like, there's three things that, that go into, what you love about a recording one of them is the songwriting the other one's the performance the other one's the recording it's like how was it recorded you know what was it played on or whatever you know it's just like so it's like it's all kind of has to work together to create that magic you know and it's just and i always find myself with my own work like one of those is always getting in the way it's (laughs) if i'm doing covers it's usually not the song it's usually the the performance (laughs) of the recording (laughs) can't really blame the song right exactly (laughs) are you particular about gear because of your background or no um i've actually kind of evolved to where like you know i was doing all kind of like in the box everything was kind of digital and then i'm like oh now i can afford you know when i was an attorney i'm like i can afford to buy a little bit of hardware you know and now I'm kind of going back to where like the software emulations of hardware have gotten so good. I'm just like, I'm not really using the real hardware anymore. I'm just using the software emulations of the hardware. So yeah. I find myself like, you know, getting rid of hardware gear. Um, you know, you can never have too many good mics. But other than that, it's like everything is so in the box that you just, it's all software. It's great. And it's, I, that makes it so nice because um, it's just completely, uh, you know, you can duplicate it. You can replicate it. You know, it's because it's, it's all saved as a snapshot. You know, you can, you don't have to worry about, you know, well, how do they have that hardware set up? It just remembers, you know, so yeah. it's, it's great. Seeing a, seeing <laughs> a, seeing a proper pro tools rig mm-hmm. utilized to its full capacity is a, is an astounding sight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's everything. is just about efficiency at, at this point and it's not really getting in the way of the sound quality. It's just like, you can still create whatever sound you want to create, but it's just like, just the efficiency is amazing. Yeah, and it's just, you know, to your point, like the sliders and all that. And again, when I came up, it was a lot. I mean, we were getting into digital, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a big old board and, you know, like one of those crazy, like Mackie, like 5800s or whatever they were, you know, that where the sliders move. That was the technology Mm -hmm. where you pre-program. Like the the old Euphonics board was one of the first ones I saw do that. Oh, wait, and it wasn't, no, it wasn't Mackie, what was it? But you know what I'm talking about, like, there's yeah, massive, yeah. like, studio mixing consoles, yeah. and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, like, I can't even keep track of, and the long piece of tape, you know, with like, mm-hmm. 78 inputs written on it, you know, yeah. up there, like, that just was. Well, and when I went to school, undergrad, for recording, it was like, it was like right, basically, at the transition, or it was basically at the end of the analog era, you know, yeah. and it was like, right as computers were about being, were about to be phased in, so I still learned about, like, tape, you know, and tape machines, right. and and boards and console, you know, and all that, and the hardware, which is kind of cool because otherwise I wouldn't ever had a chance to learn that stuff probably. And then I just kind of taught myself the digital world, you know. So that's 
but yeah, so it's, but it's all, you know, it's all the same kind of science, you know, it's, it's just virtual instead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So left turn, um, cause we sort of glanced over it earlier, but I want to talk about, um, so Jeff Hall, who's the guy that's in a lot of your videos from earlier yeah. years, really talented guy. Again, like it's just for me, and this is don't please do not take this as a any sort of slight because it's not. <laughs> That's fine. But I just remember when the first time like someone sent me that video before I even clicked on it, and it's just <laughs> like I thought to myself, like rush t shirt. No, it's like no, Yankees. no, no. You, you thought to yourself, you thought to yourself, this better be good. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, but <laughs> it wasn't even based like based on how these guys look. This better be good. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it was because they're just clearly like, not getting by on their looks. <laughs> no, but it wasn't even your looks. But it was just you know, it's a bar gig. Like we've all done those gigs, right? Just like, like totally just, casual. Like yeah, turn yeah, up yeah. in my Radiohead T-shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah, like with like a pair a of shorts. Gig, just, basically, yeah. yeah, whatever. And yeah. I just thought like the Yankees hat, so I immediately mm-hmm. hated him because I'm a Braves <laughs> fan. Um, but so, but um, but then it all starts and it's kind of magic. But um, you know, he um. Again, this is so like inside the beltway, and most people that listen to this thing of mine are going to tune out because they're not musicians. But um, he makes like, and I don't know, I'm probably not eerie enough to listen to the original things and and determine how close it is. But I feel like he makes because that's obviously an interesting setup is a bass player with like no rhythm section, right? Just bass (laughs) by itself. Not, and I don't mean that, but it's different than just like two guys banging on acoustics or whatever. Yeah. And I think the bass player at that point has to not only be a good player, but he's got to make really good choices because if he doesn't, it's going to sound like a train wreck. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he, he's very tasteful, right? Like I think he does all the right things. You know what I mean? He plays in a very additive way, but not, like what are you doing? You know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, he he adds without detracting, basically, right? Yeah, and of course yeah. his his harmonies are y'all's harmonies are just insane. Yeah, um, and and Jeff will be the first to tell you that when we started off, he never sang. He didn't sing at all because what? he just yeah he just and he never sang at all because he just like the whole playing and singing at the same time or or even singing in public to him weren't things that he was like super you know a big fan of. But uh, you know I mean he would singing choirs and stuff, but like as a soloist, it was just like something he hadn't really done. And so I kind of had to coax it out of him. And like, and it was like a, a song at a time, literally like, can you just sing the low part on this song? You know, just like, you know, so it was like, it was basically like over time, it's like not overwhelming him. It was just like incrementally, like, you know, he basically worked up to the point where he was singing on basically everything or nearly everything. I hate him more now. <laughs> Cause like, I so, still no. can't sing harmonies. Like I just mm. don't hear them. Like it's weird. Yeah, it's like I'm yeah, colorblind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can sing the melodies fine. Yeah. Well, and Jeff's, but he's like also one of those kind of like multi instrumentalist guys that you were talking about where he also plays drums and he plays oh, okay. piano and he like, he's built pipe organs and he can, you know, nose organs and oh, stuff. Wow. And, you know, yeah. So he's kind of got a lot of, you know, information he's working off of in terms of musical background and, you know, studied, studied music in college and you know like knows tons of classical music and so he's he's pretty pretty well rounded he had, he did a cd or uh yeah i guess it's a cd at this point of of like sort of a switched on bach type thing where it was all like the oh. synthesizer recordings of bach music you know that kind of yeah, thing yeah yeah and so yeah so so he's kind of yeah he like lo- you know he likes keyboards and stuff but he also likes the classical stuff so it's yeah it's cool and and uh he's been yeah he's such a good you know balance to me cuz i'm kind of like i'm 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 probably people would who know me would probably consider me semi high strung sometimes I'm, or I'm just kind of like emotional, you know, and, um, but Front Jeff's man. like, so yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And Jeff's <laughs> like, so, you know, level and mellow and just like, he's always just like kind of a calming influence on me. And so I love traveling with him. So, cause yeah. I, if I get, you know, if I get any anxiety about the gig or whatever, it's just like, he's always just like, 
yeah, whatever. You know, it's just like right there. Yeah. Well, bass player, that's also, those are kind of, yeah, those are a little bit cliche, but that's yeah, yeah, like yeah, a good true. one. That's kind of what you want. They are the yeah. steadying influence, right? Yeah, that's the whole yeah, idea, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Well, so. you know, tell him I think he makes good choices. Um, <laughs> so he was, he is a prosecutor. Is that right? That I, yeah. you know, that, so is that yeah. where, how you guys met? Was it like, were you, were you no, li- lawyering? We before, <laughs> no, we met before either of us were attorneys. We were just like kind of neighbors and we got introduced by, you know, a fellow musician who said, Hey, you should play with this guy. And so we, uh, yeah, so we played together through most of our undergrad and then just kind of kept going beyond that and both kind of stayed in the same area. So we just, you know, kept playing and he actually went to law school before I did. He was done by the time I started. Mm. And so he was a prosecutor by the time I was a public defender and he used to be a public defender. So he kind of helped me get introduced to that job, which was nice. And, uh, but now he's been a prosecutor long enough that he's like actually one of the bosses at the prosecutor's office. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he's, but he's, you know, yeah, he's a great attorney and great musician. Did you, when you, and I, again, I've heard, I've listened to interviews with you where, you know, he's obviously got a good gig and that's kind of his thing, but h- how, how, when this all started to take, did you have that sort of separation anxiety where you felt like you just wanted to rip him away from everything as it started to go? Or is it, is it, was that a nat- fairly natural transition for you to start playing with other folks? Well, I think if, I think Jeff, if he felt like, you know, if, if there was an opportunity that, you know, I don't, I don't think he would necessarily, um, resist being a full-time musician if he thought that was a, a good life choice yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. but, but I, you know I, it would take a lot more it would take things to be at a much different level to basically support us doing it full-time both of us doing it full-time well, so, yeah, yeah of course yeah. but it's like yeah but it's you know i he's um he's usually pretty good about it, being able to find time to do our traveling gigs and stuff i mean he can't do everything that comes up but i kind of you know give him right of first refusal <laughs> so yeah of course you know before i look for someone else who can join me but um yeah but he's he uh i think he finds it as a nice especially since you know the pie was every month and i think that was nice for him too just to kind of have once a month just to play music or whatever and now the gigs are kind of like here and there and sometimes it's a few in one month and or it'll be a couple months between them or whatever but i think he looks forward to it just because it's like oh i'm gonna do music again even though there's some travel required which is sometimes a drag but it's like you know we get to play music and usually it's in front of an appreciative crowd so it's just like cool yeah yeah, and that's one of the, you know, I've sort of wrestled with that, you know, it comes in waves. Like, I go through waves where I won't pick up an instrument at all. I'll listen a lot. I always listen to yeah. music somehow. And then I'll go through waves where, like, I just want to play at home, you know, yeah. like, because I hear something I want to try to figure out or I'll remember some song that well, I really like. This is interesting because there was long stretches during my Pi gigs where, and even during the YouTube portion of that, where I literally did not touch my guitar between pie gigs. Yeah, like, yeah. That would be the only time of the month I would play my guitar was at the pie. And that went for months and months. And so like, unless I was like learning a new song, I would just like, I just wouldn't, I don't, for some reason I just wasn't drawn to it. And I, you know, so, and I didn't have time for it, but now it's like, now that I'm a full-time musician, it's like, I want to play more. It's kind of funny. Like, even though I'm playing more, I want to play even more than that. It's yeah, like, well, yeah. you're sharpening your axe, right? It's sort of like, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, this is a super nerdy analogy, but like, again, yeah. I work in technology, but, you know, I like to read like the CIO magazine article on whatever, because that's what mm-hmm. I do, right? I'm a strategist, right? So mm-hmm. I need to know that stuff. But I want, you know, if I wasn't doing that for a living, I would never, you know, but if yeah. I'm on a weekend, my wife would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm reading this thing on, you know, data center optimization. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. oh God. All right, bye. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um but you know, I, I totally get that. I totally get it. The mm-hmm. other thing I think that always works, and I still haven't been able to sell this one by my wife, is just buy a new guitar. That will make you play. 
um, it gets really expensive though. And I've tried yeah, to I've tried yeah. to sell that deal by her a few times, and she's just yeah. Like, no. And I've I actually have not had the luxury of being a guitar collector. I think it's because I've bought all the other studio gear too. It's just like I haven't had the, you know, if you're just a guitar player, that's like all you're spending your money on. That's a lot easier than like when you're like trying to populate a studio with hardware and software. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you got to pick your you got to pick your poison there. Right? Yeah, but I but I have, you know, I have my good acoustic guitar and I have my road acoustic guitar and I have my 12 string and I have my electric and I have and I'm my mandolins. So that's kind of like my little Oh, you play collection. mandolin. Yeah, a little bit. I'm okay. I'm kind of, you know, like Jimmy Page level. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Or 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 Peter Buck level maybe, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Another Georgia yeah. reference. Good job. Yeah, Good exactly. job. Yeah. Um actually, um my next cover, well, it's either my next one or the one after that is going to be another REM song, and which, I'm doing it with we're doing it with Jeff Hall like a split screen. Can you say or Everybody Hurts. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um it's going to sound really nice. You already do my favorite REM song. <clears throat> right on. Driver 8. Oh yeah, I haven't posted it though. That's a bit of a deep. That's a bit of a weird cut. Yeah. Like people are like, "What is this?" Yeah. Um, I have an I have an old audio recording I can send you. Of oh me yeah, and Jeff doing, me and Jeff doing it in the pie, but we never filmed it. That's a great. That little riff is just. I don't know yeah. what it is, but it just it's gets fun, me. That's a fun song to play. You know, and sure. it, I, used to, I, I also do. Uh, don't go back to Rockville. That's the other one. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Again, one of those things you don't think about because they're here, you know, and it mm. was around all coming up and you just don't realize sort of like the size and scope of it until later, yeah. like with me with the Indigo Girls, it was like, yeah. oh, people, they're actually a lot bigger than I thought, I guess. I'll probably, I'll probably do South Central Rain at some point because I love that song too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've done Fall On Me, but that, that wouldn't be trickier to do, but that's a great song too. It's hard when bands like have those monster, like catalogs that are so, you know, they're, you, yeah. you know, where they're so sort of ubiquitous and it's just like, oh my gosh, like there's just so much stuff in here. Yeah. Um, this is actually interesting that you bring up Michael Stipe. This is how my squirrel brain works. I just jumped four steps in my head before I asked this <laughs> question, but I'll draw the line for you. Um, <clears throat> he obviously, vocally speaking, is pretty unique, right? Um, you have, uh, you know, your voice, which is great and unique in and of itself. But do you find this was because this was a struggle for me? Do you find do you fight that urge to try to mimic or, or, or that decision about, am I trying yeah. to sort of mimic like intonation yeah. or these little things that are unique when you it's, record? You know, it's, that's another continuum where, where and, uh, and sometimes I do struggle with it. And sometimes I, f I feel like I usually come down on the right side of the line of it, but there's been some times where I feel like I've crossed it. I'm not going to name them, but there's some songs that, like, when I listen to them, I'm just like, oh, that was, I just regret that choice. You, you mean, know what I mean? Like, like, because you're trying to sound too much like them or because you're trying it, to sound yeah, too much and, like, and, not like well, them? Well, it's just, but that's, that's naturally the way that it would come out. And, but sometimes, it, even though it's like naturally the way it would come out because it's like, that's me recreating the song in my head, yeah. um, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always translate, you know, and, and it doesn't always. And so there's been times where I've gone back and I'm like, ooh, you know, I wish I hadn't done that. But most of the time I feel like I'm pretty good with it. Um, Everybody Hurts. That's a really interesting example where he does a lot of Michael Stipe stuff, but it's the, it's, but it, it fits in my voice in a way where I can do a lot of the same stuff and it still sounds natural. That's the trick, right? Because if it sounds natural, then no one's going to care. But if it sounds like you're doing something or you're altering your voice, or you know, or doing an imitation or whatever, it's it doesn't necessarily work. So that yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, that's one thing I sort of. It took me a while to figure it out, um, mm -hmm. and not figure it out, but also develop sort of the metal to be able to do it. 
But I, I think I tell younger musicians that ask me from time to time, you know, it's like finding your own voice is one of the hardest things. Even if you're writing yeah. original music, it's really, yeah. really hard. Yeah. Right. Because well, <laughs> every one of us are influenced by what we hear, you know. And and I don't I, I think some people react to my voice differently because I get comments that are like the like the opposite of each other. Like I'll get some comments where <laughs> they'll say, like, you sound exactly like that guy or whatever. And then I'll and then on the same song, they'll say someone else will say, I love how you made it your own. <laughs> you know, like, I, didn't, I couldn't do both, right? And so it's just like, and so you know, it's yeah. So some people just like hear it differently, and and inevitably everything is through like the Mike Massey filter, right? And so it's like it's going to sound like me, even if I'm, even if my voice is really pretty similar to the original artist, it's still going to sound like me, no matter what, yeah. no matter what I. And I think there are there are circumstances that are you're in a a pretty small minority. Right of that, that there are notes that you hit that are so up there that it's hard to different. Right, it's hard to high notes sound like high notes. Right, right? like right, like come right. sail away. Right, which is another right. just filthy cover you do. It's so good. Um, but and also it's like that song's good anyway. But it's so vocally mm-hmm. hard. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just high. Right, right, right. But like when you get up there. There's not, it's not like a, you know, if you're a, like a low tenor, you know, you can play with stuff all day long down there. Yeah. But like yeah, once you get up there, that just is what it is. Yeah. 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 You're right. You can't color them as much because you're just like, I just hope it happens. Right? Yeah. Like I just need to make <laughs> sure I get form. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's and all we're worried about now is getting yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's true. Yeah. My high range is probably just, it is what it is. And it always probably sounds the same, but yeah, that's, there's, that's true. And, and, but that means that, you know. Yeah, it's it's just kind of interesting. It's like it's just sort of a tenor palette that I just kind of live in that, you know, just kind of there's I just find voices that are similar enough to mine that it just it's a good match. And but there's also people that I kind of steer clear of because I'm just like I know I'm just like there's no there's nothing I could do that's going to make me sound good singing that song or whatever. You know, I just like there's some stuff I just stay away from, even though I love it. I'm just like I could never do that. Well, sure. And the other thing about those songs, too, which probably throws people off that don't have some kind of trained ear, is that mm-hmm. the harmonies are so unique that then when mm-hmm. you also put three other, you know, if it's, if you, when you lay two other voices on top of it, again, mm-hmm. like you're not going to, mm-hmm. it's going to end up sounding a whole lot like the people that sang yeah. it because yeah. it's, it's yeah. by design, right? Like, yeah, yeah again, exactly. Come yeah. sail away or the chorus of Africa. Like, once you mm-hmm. start laying all that stuff on top of it, like it's going to sound, I mean, that, but that's what you're, go- that's what you want, right? Because mm-hmm. what's beautiful yeah. about Toto is, the harmonies are so filthy, that, yeah. You yeah. know that it's like that's why. Why did you not try to reproduce? Like, yeah, it's so yeah. disgusting, right? It's like well, and and you know, in my my kind of philosophy, and it seems to have worked for me, is this that you know I just try to recreate things pretty faithfully, and I know it's going to come out different because I'm not them. And but if I just try to stay out of the way of a good song, yeah. and a lot of covers you hear, it feels like change for the sake of change. Yes. And I, I just have no interest in that. I'm like, unless I think I can do something better, I'm not going to change it. And that's, you know, that's just generally my approach. There's sometimes where I'll play with the arrangement a little bit and, you know, make it creative and this or that way. But generally speaking, when it comes to a vocal performance, I'm just like, I'm singing this song because I love it. So why would I change it? <laughs> yeah, well, of course. So interesting yeah. that you mentioned that. I have a specific example I wanted to ask you about. Okay. So you do Mad World. Yes. That version of Mad World is completely not what Roland Orsabel wrote, right? And, and like the Tears for Fears version, it's right. completely different, well, right? It, it's it's but that. Do you, have you heard what mine's based on though? You've heard the Gary Jules version. Yeah, yeah, right? I have. Okay, I have. Okay, yeah, okay, that's okay. what I'm saying. Like it's totally yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And and that's been because, you know, like a lot of people have done. And I love that slowed down version. A cover like of I, a cover. You know, it's yeah. like the thing. But it's funny because like I just went to see Tears for Fears in Hall and Oates two Sundays ago here in Atlanta. Nice. Tears for Fears is my, like, my favorite. I love them so much. I think his voice is just gravy. Yeah. It's just so buttery. Um, uh, it gets under his skin. That version of that song pisses Roland off. Interesting. Um, because, you know, and he's, I've seen him twice in the last three years and he said something on stage about it both times. And it's like, we're going to do this song the way we wrote it. And it's just like with this like sort of hint of, of acid, you know? You know, what's funny is like, it was one of the first, what, what you would, what would be considered in the industry, a 180 cover. That's the term they use. Yeah, and a yeah. 180 cover is like when you take a song, a fast song and make it slow or a slow song and make it fast or whatever, you know? Yeah. And that's what you, you know, just think of every freaking movie trailer now. Every freaking movie trailer is a slowed down version of a song, you know, <laughs> usually sung by a woman, kind of oh slow God. with a lot of so reverb and some weird, you know, musical effects. Not so not music true. behind her, but just like keyboard effects. <laughs> and just pick your song, and it's like every freaking movie trailer, right? So true. But like that was that was one of the first ones, and it was just done so well that you know, to me, there are just some covers that are just like, wow, that's a great freaking cover. Like you know, like Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. You know, it's just like where it like you know clearly like in some way surpasses the original, and or at least people yeah. more people respond to it more than they did the original. Of, yeah, of course. And it's just, you know, and so that's just like. Yeah, that's 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 amazing when people can do that, and you know it's what any cover artist aspires to do, and and you know to even be like mentioned in the same breath as being like nearly as good as the original, or whatever. That's that's a great accomplishment, and you know it's always wonderful to hear that. Yeah, but I just thought, I mean, it's just interesting because, like, again, like Roland, the songwriter, you know, just it just makes him batty, and I love that version that you yeah know, that whatever. But it's just it's funny to hear the guy just be like, you know, no. <laughs> I know that is funny. Well, and and but this is an example where Roland's voice. I I would have heard when I heard you know the original. It, I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I would sound like him singing that song. But then when I heard Gary Jules, I'm like, oh, actually, that's a better fit for my voice. And it just like I just gravitated towards it. Like that would be fun to sing, you know? Absolutely. So and there yeah. are certain songs like that. Like so for me, and again, so it's funny you mentioned Jeff Buckley because the, you know the reality is is that's be- he was such a monster that it just was yeah. like you know and oh, not yeah. even just singing like his voice was so yeah, his, crazy his but guitar playing too oh like yeah you know a buddy of mine we were talking about this but like when Jimmy Page says I thought you were an alternate tuning and then when he sees you do it he realizes you weren't or not <laughs> like that if that's not as much of an endorsement right for anything yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. but for me it's I shall be released. Which mm-hmm. is it, Buckley's version of that is so just stratospheric, and now Dylan, which you know is not, <laughs> you know, is not going to be singing at the Metropolitan Opera House or anything, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, I love that song so much. Um, but that's the thing, like I, it was Buckley's version that really tuned me into that song. Like if I'd have mm-hmm. heard it as Dylan, I probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't mm-hmm. have oh, exactly. resonated yeah, with yeah. me as much. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. So there, I mean, yeah. There's definitely some some value to a good cover when when you come across one. Yeah, so it's just because I think also um I heard or read somewhere that um you you try to actually when you're learning them you try to like learn it completely as it was written and then you and then you make modifications yeah, if you want. Yeah. cuz yeah, I don't want any any changes I make to be because I couldn't figure it out the right way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, I feel like if I'm going to make any changes, I have to earn them by at least knowing what was originally done. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of like my philosophy anyway. And and um, sometimes though, sometimes you just can't hear it. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't mean like your musical ear. I just mean the production hides some stuff. 
you know, especially if you're trying to learn a like, you know, like a Beatles piano part half the time, geez. But um, it's like, you know, they're just like sometimes they're buried. What, and so you just like you kind of make your best approximation of it and then later figure out, oh, that wasn't exactly right. But yeah, but I I try to learn things the right way, the right way um, before I make any changes. And sometimes like like with Sound of Silence, like I'm fully aware that I play it in a different capo position. Mm-hmm. But that was like a choice I made because I like the way. I play it in my position better. It just like gives me different chord options, and you know, yeah. that I I like the voices of, but it's not like the right way, you know. But I feel like I kind of earned that right to change it by knowing that I wasn't doing it right. <laughs> it's like and still <laughs> and still and still insisting on doing it that way because it was my preference. But but not like but it doesn't change the way the song sounds. It just allows me to play it in a different way. It's just more of a guitar fingering change than a sonic change. It doesn't right, really right. change what people hear, you know. You would have hated playing with me. You would have fired. <laughs> you would have fired me like immediately. So because first of all. I, my, all my guitars are tuned to E flat because oh. I don't have your range, right? You so know, we, and there's there's songs that require that still. There are, but I mean, yeah. but for me, it was actually a functional thing because again, I don't know how you guys do stuff at the Pi, but back in the day when we were doing the Atlanta thing, there were four hour gigs, right? Yeah, I mean, we, there were, these were three hour gigs. But yeah. I mean, so we played from you know usually we would play from like eleven until three a.m. right or ten yeah. until two a.m. Yeah. and yeah. in a place that was filled with smoke and people were throwing oh, shots yeah. at you the whole time and it was oh, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. it became a siege. Voice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It literally was a siege. Like you felt mm-hmm. like you worked, like when you were done, you were physically exhausted. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. everybody, all of us did it, even guys with it, because it's like, God, it's amazing how much half step that just pressure it takes off of you from having to yeah. like, go climb the yeah. ladder. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. But there are some. And that's what I think, I mean, and I don't, since I don't do tons of back to back gigs and I'm not touring, you know, it's not, I mean, a lot of bands will say, well, they, they do it live in a lower key. And it's just like, well, that's just because they're playing every night or whatever. Yeah. It's not because they can't do it, it's just they can't do it every night, you know. And so it's just, yeah, so that, I totally get that. But then I would play with other people and like, I would, I would learn songs that I would never even listen to the original. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) oh, because you just would learn it by, by ear. What do you mean? You would never listen to the original? Like I would hear the version of the person I was playing with and then I would just internalize that and then I would go and then I would hear it like a year later and I would just go like, oh, this is not at all like what I... (laughs) <laughs> you know, and Jeff Jeff would do a, some of that. I mean, he 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 did that kind of regularly, where he would like kind of just play along with me and kind of play it his way. And then I'd be like, "Well, go back and listen to this one part because there's something cool he does." And so then he would like incorporate sort of the key moments. But a lot of the bass parts he did were just kind of his own approx not approximation. That's not sort of that's not a very fair word because it sounds like he's not. But yeah, no, it's just like his sort of like yeah his interpretation of it. And and. You know, and a lot of the times he would come up with stuff that either I even preferred or just like worked just as well. So I didn't. I'm like, this is Jeff's version. That's cool. And but there's there's other songs where I'm just like, you know, sometimes sometimes I'm like, no, there's a specific part. Like like you can't fake Dear Prudence. Like there's a bass part for Dear Prudence. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. so like yeah, so there's some songs where he would like learn it and I'd be like, no, this is what we have to do right. And he's like, yeah, I agree. So like you know, so there's there were times when we do it that way too. But like and even like it's kind of funny. He gets crap on our cover of Sound of Silence for the bass slides, but like people like. Those slides are in the original, folks. <laughs> Those, yeah. That's there, you know. Yeah. It's just like, and I love his bass slides, but um, so yeah. So sometimes, you know, he would draw from the original. Sometimes he could kind of just do his own thing. Yeah, it's but cool. you and you just don't hear it like that because there's other stuff going on, you know. So yeah. that's the other thing when it's very naked when you hear yeah. it like in yeah. that sort of acoustic and bass scenario. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that's why I always say with you know I tell people about Duran Duran, which I like Duran Duran, um, and it's not so much, but if you ever ISO John Taylor, um, that stuff is, it's nothing you would associate with them. Cause it's so buried in there. But like, if you hear just him, it's kind of like Toto, 
you're like, like oh my solid. god like yeah. this it's not even solid it's freakishly amazing right like That's go listen cool. to the baseline on rio sometime yeah because rio yeah. is just this poppy Slap sort of stuff. thing and yeah. it's just like yeah. it, that baseline is just yeah absolutely awesome. crazy town well gonna, well look do, i was gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna do ordinary world pretty soon Oh, that's a great song. And I love, yeah. again, like, I love really almost like um, measured riff work. You know what I mm. mean? Like where, mm. you know, it's nothing, it ain't, it's not Yngwie Malmsteen or anything, you know? It's yeah, actually yeah, very yeah. deliberate. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that's what, that riff that opens mm-hmm. that song up to me is one of those, like, yeah. it's got so much character. It's There's nothing sophisticated about it at all. Um, and well, it's, that, yeah, it's like a part versus a solo. It's just like, <laughs> it's like a part. Yeah, well, it is yeah, it's just cool. a melody riff or whatever. Same thing with like Radiohead. Yeah. Like they do a lot of cool, you know, like I love High and Dry and like that little, yeah. and that's an yeah. octave thing they do. But, you know, that's mm. just a little, yeah. um, it's, there's nothing to that, but it just adds, it just, it fills the song out so, yeah. so much, which is yeah. just, you know, it's just completely. So last thing, I know you got to run. I really appreciate your time. Have you seen online? I'm going to give you something. Uh, the, there was a radio station in LA a couple years ago and they do a regular thing where they would take a guy would go and find the original recordings and they would isolate all the tracks on their show and talk about it track by track. I think, well, I don't know if that's what I saw, but I saw something like that for Rosanna. Yeah. Did you ever listen to that? Yeah, super cool. That's what I always send people when they like if they want to bag on Toto. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah no, here. I agree. Yeah, spend, just the drums. Spend the drums. Spend 18 so minutes great. with this, or let Luca that yeah. solo that Lukather plays yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. Which when you hear it yeah. by itself, you're like, what is going on? He's an <laughs> alien. You know, what I mean? like yeah. I don't understand. Oh well, man, I appreciate the time. It's really been a yeah, pleasure talking with you. I love talking to guys in music, and I'm I'm so excited for everything that's happening for you. Like this is cool. super cool. We got to get you to Atlanta. I'm trying to figure that out. I know the deal. Yeah, I just need to put it together, and then you know figure yeah. out. <laughs> so I, my wife is always my wife's the same. She's a huge fan of yours. So yeah, she's like we got to throw throw a party, throw a Christmas party yeah, or something. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you know, you guys check this out for those of you that don't know already. The four of you that have never heard of Mike before, <laughs> um, it's um mikemasay.com. M-I-K-E-M-A-S-S-E dot com. Uh, obviously, the YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. Join the join the masses. Join the <laughs> c- cover the music, cover the world. That's your right um, that's your uh, your line, line, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you've got a Facebook page um, as well, where everything's. Yeah, on there. I think it's just facebook.com forward slash Mike Massey. So great. M-A-S-S-E. But yeah. thank you so much, man. This was cool. Um, yeah. Keep keep it. on doing your thing. I'm, I love hearing everything that you put out. Um, oh, actually, can I stop you with two more minutes? Just because I want to plug this, which I'd never known yep. about, is Patreon. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, because I'd never seen it before until I started looking through your stuff. And I think it's like oh, okay, the coolest cool. concept in the world. So, I know you've, yeah, can yeah, you yeah. just take a minute it's, and just explain what just it kinda is? It's just kind of like, uh, it's like ongoing tips or donations for uh, ongoing works of art. Basically, people that are making stuff like, for me, I just, I have, uh, I make music videos and I try to do two a month. And Patreon is set up where you can decide to give me a dollar or two dollars or five dollars, whatever, like per video. And when enough people do that, it makes a big difference. And it kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me on schedule to make sure I'm producing, you know, because it becomes, you know, one of those little revenue streams. And it's just, it's a great way for people to, um, you know, personally give thanks for, or, you know, to the artists and support them, the ones that they want to see continue. Because, you know, being a YouTube artist is, is, is a unique challenge and it's, uh, but it's got its own unique rewards as well. So Patreon is, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm a patron of other people, like friends of mine that are creative and it's it's kind of a nice community to get into. There's lots of people on there, and you can search and find a f- different people to support, or you can get supported yourself. And there's different like reward levels for different you know uh, amounts that people donate. So there's it's, you can look at that. 
it's cool. Yeah, so it's like got a kind of Kickstarter element. Like if you give it a certain yeah. level, you know, it's just you like can, an ongoing thing. And you can, you know, you can turn it off and on at your leisure. You know, any month, you could, if you don't want to do it, you could just drop your donation, or and then, or you could change the amount on the fly. It doesn't matter. It's cool. Is it Patreon.com like slash Mike Massey, or do you know how to? Uh, or can people yeah, just if you go to Mike Massey, there? there's a Patreon link there. Okay. But um, yeah, it's just yeah, if you search for me, you'll find it there. All right, but man. That, be it. that sounds right. All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot, man. Rock on. Keep yeah. on doing it. Uh, everybody, thanks for sticking around. Uh, we'll be back in about a week per usual. And uh, until next time, press on. Thank you.